Welcome to episode 10 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. This is the second episode in a mini-series we're doing on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, this theme comes from a series of verses that are in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. There are several references. They're in Deuteronomy 6, Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 10. I'll give you the verses from Mark so you can have a reference here. In Mark, when Jesus is asked by a teacher of religious law about the most important commandment, Jesus says in verse 29, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Again, Jesus affirms that loving our neighbor is important in John 15, verse 12. So we'll talk about the implications of loving other people in the future. This series is talking about loving God. Some of these four ways that we love God, loving him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, some of these come easier to us than other ones. I just did an episode episode nine on loving God with all of our heart. Maybe that comes easier to you or maybe not so much. This episode today is going to be focused on the soul. Do we love the Lord our God with all our soul? Even though some of these come easier to us and some of them less easy, we still are to love God in all of these four ways. So today let's talk about the soul. We're going to have to chat and maybe define what a soul is first because I wasn't quite sure. It's kind of one of those things where you intuitively know what a soul is and trying to describe it is much harder than I thought it was going to be. So we'll begin with that. Let's go ahead and dig in. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Katherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface-level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Let's take a second to pray. Lord, thank you that you show up for us, that you are with us, and that your presence is accessible and potent, and that we can always come to you with everything. Thank you that you love us beyond our wildest dreams. You love us more than any human is capable of loving. You love us more than anything else in our lives. And we thank you for that, God. I pray that we would be able to increase through you our love for you, that you would increase the way that we love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray that you would teach us what that looks like. Help us to see more of how we love you with our whole soul and teach us what a soul is. Please speak through me, Lord. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as promised, what on earth is a soul? So let's look at a few different places here. Merriam-Webster 
defines it in a lot of different ways. There was a ton of definitions to choose from. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights. Some of them weren't really relevant for our purposes here. The first definition was the immaterial essence, animating principle, or actuating, which means, I had to look it up, motivating, cause of a person's life. The immaterial essence, animating principle, or motivating cause of an individual life. Second, the spiritual principle embodied in human beings, all rational and spiritual beings, or the universe. Third, this is my favorite, a person's total self, your whole self. That's your soul. Like who you are. And fifth, the moral and emotional nature of human beings. The moral and emotional nature of human beings. It's who we are. It's our inner self. Strong's Concordance is the other place that I looked. The word soul used in this verse is defined by Strong's as self, living being, inner being. The soul is who you are. It's your being. It's your, it's your essence. It's your total self, your emotional and moral nature. It's what resides within your body. The idea of a soul really bothered me as a kid. I did not grow up going to church, so I didn't really know any kind of like spiritual background on what a soul was. And so the idea of death really bothered me as a kid. I don't know if I was just like a weird, morbid kid or if like a lot of kids have this issue. I'm not sure. But this idea used to bother me. And I remember one day I drew a picture of, I think it was me. This is really morbid, but I think it was a picture of me, if I'm remembering correctly, lying underneath dirt, dead. And I just couldn't, what I was trying to do is I was trying to work out like, okay, if I'm under the dirt here and my body is dead, what happens to me? What happens to my inner being? I didn't know the word was soul, but basically what I was asking is, where does our soul go when we die? I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, okay, okay, when people die, where where did they go though? You know? And I think this might have been triggered by my grandfather dying when I was in fourth grade. Maybe that's why I was thinking about it more. I'm not really sure. But I even asked my teacher in fourth grade. I said, you know, what happens when we die? And she said that we just die. And I'm like, no, but what happens to us? Not our bodies, like us, the essence, you know, the us. I didn't use those words, but what happens to me though? And she was like, you know, you die. (laughs) And I just couldn't understand that. It didn't make sense to me because it doesn't actually make sense that our souls die. Like, where do you go? And so I couldn't believe my soul would die. And I'm really grateful that when I was in middle school, my parents started sending me to a Christian school where I learned about God. And then I finally had that resolution of, where does my soul go? Because our soul, it's us. It's our inner being. It's its who we are. And it doesn't just go into the ground with our bodies and die. We have an eternal home. Our souls go somewhere else. Our soul is us. It's who we are. It's our inner being. It's our morals, our passions. It's our emotions. It's all these things. It's what makes us us. And I think when we're loving God with all of our souls, it's like a state of your inner being. almost like a default setting. Loving God with our souls, it's our underlying who we are. It's part of ourselves. It's what feeds all of our actions. Our soul hungers for the things of God. 
It's what contains our longings. I really thank my social studies teacher that I had in ninth grade, and then I had her again in 12th grade. In ninth grade, she had this imagery for us, and it wasn't used for necessarily spiritual purposes, but she kind of had us look at different clips of movies, and then we had, you know, what was going on. We'd draw like a little person. I don't remember all the details, but I remember that we would label what was happening in the mind, the heart, and then she had us point to the belly, which is a really interesting way of kind of visualizing the soul because our belly is what hungers and what gets filled. And I think that's really good imagery for our soul. Our soul hungers and longs for things, and it also gets filled by things. So when we're filled with our love for God in our soul, that's what gets filled up there. And we hunger for that when it's not filled up by God. So that's just like a cool way to think about it. Your real self is defined by God and not by you or another human. We allow our souls to be defined by God. Who we are on the deepest level is who God says that we are. I also want to mention that the soul is mentioned in scripture a lot of time alongside the heart. It'll say your heart and soul, heart and soul. And the reason I noticed this was because I was looking up verses where the word soul is used. And almost, I'd say at least half the time, probably a little more than that, it was heart and soul, not just soul. So I know that the heart and soul have a deep connection. And I want to give you an example from Deuteronomy 30. This is verse 10, and Moses is giving instructions to his people, the Israelites. And he says, The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. The idea of turning our heart and soul to God, giving him all that we are, trusting him, putting our weight, our faith on him knowing that he will fully take care of us. That's not easy, but definitely that's what God has us designed to do. I think our souls really want for God and maybe we don't recognize it because we fill our souls with other things. But I think ultimately the thing that we crave should be God. But a lot of times our souls crave other things that are lesser than God. Today, I want to focus on one scripture and it's Psalm 42. And it's a sad psalm. It's, it, it sounds to me like a lament. It reads like crying out to God for me. And I think when our souls are not fully loving God, not fully filled by him, this is how we feel. I think it's very relatable. The psalms are full of songs like this. And they're very validating <laughs> because they're written by humans and their very human experience. So let's read the psalm and then talk about a few implications. Psalm 41, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food night and day. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. What I love about this psalm is the realness of it. Sometimes, if we're being honest, our souls are cast down and discouraged. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? He says it a couple of times. And sometimes that's the state of our inner being. We're cast down, we're discouraged, we're mourning, we're sad, we are having a hard time trusting, we are looking at what's going on in the world, and we just feel deeply dissatisfied and sad about it. It's a very human experience. And in the beginning there, those verses are so beautiful. Verses 1 and 2, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So in this season of sadness and mourning, the writer of this psalm, or the writers, it might be multiple, they're having this human experience of thirsting for God. I think we all have this experience. But I do think also we try to silence that and we try to fill it with other things. We try to fill it with quick distractions. We try to fill it with things that we think our soul needs. But what our soul really needs, what will really satisfy us is God. When I was thinking about this, I thought, can we sit in the emptiness? Can we sit in that state without constantly needing to fill it with other things? I feel like that's a very human thing to just fill ourselves, fill ourselves, fill ourselves, distract, change our circumstances, try to control things. But can we sit in the empty? Can we sit in the sadness? Can we sit in that state and ask God to fill us? Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. It sounds like the writer of this psalm is kind of oscillating between knowing that they need to be filled with God and also just feeling sad and mourning and grief. Sometimes we oscillate between these things. Do we crave God? Does our soul pant for him? Can we hear that panting? Can we hear it? I think ultimately we can really be honest with God. The writer of this psalm is very honest, explaining exactly where they are. They're talking about being in a state of mourning. They say to God in verse 9, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? That's honest. Sometimes we feel abandoned. Sometimes we feel like God is not actually there, that he's not watching out for us. And our soul feels that disquiet. I think we can be really honest with God. We can tell him that that's how we feel. Do we long for him in the hard, disquieting seasons? Most of the time we do. Are we listening to that longing and going after him and waiting for him in that empty season? 
I also like in these verses how it talks about in the state of being cast down and in turmoil and in sadness, the writer of the psalm says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. When our souls long for God, when our souls love God, we hope in him, we praise him, we can recognize what he's done, and in that, we love him with our souls. Even when we feel sad, we can hope in him and praise him. Sometimes it feels really hard to praise him. I think that's really normal when we're in a sad season, when we're down, when we're hurting. It feels hard to hope in him. It feels like we're just empty and, and hurting. And yet we love God with our souls when in that we recognize what he's done. We remember the ways that he showed up before. We tell him we remember that. We recall it. We praise him with our lips and we posture our hearts towards him. That doesn't like fix the problem right away, but that's part of loving God with our souls. Healing and rest, it's not going to be instantaneous sometimes. Sometimes we do feel the presence of God right away when we cry out to him. Sometimes we do, and that's great. It feels so fulfilling. But sometimes we sit there crying out to him and we don't feel him. That's really frustrating. And if you're in that place, I want to validate that that's also a human experience. But I can assure you that God is still with you. His presence is still there and he still loves you completely. I think loving God with our soul can bring us peace and joy because we're designed to bring him praise. But sometimes that peace and joy is not overwhelming. It's kind of in the background. It's just a background state that we live in, that contentment in our soul. And sometimes when our soul's in turmoil, we don't feel that. But again, we bring that back to him and talk to him through those times when it's really hard. We come back to thankfulness and praise and recognizing again and again what he's done and again and again that he is there and he loves you so much more than you can imagine. Another thing to think about, does your soul ultimately love and trust God? Can you put your weight on him? Can you love him for who he is, even in the tough seasons? Some seasons it feels really easy to love God and some seasons it feels really hard. But faith is putting our weight on him, knowing that he can bear our weight, that he can bear the weight of our hurt, the weight of feeling abandoned, the weight of feeling sad, the weight of feeling like we can't trust him. We put that weight on him, even in the tough seasons. And our soul gets filled when we love God completely with all that we are. I pray that the peace of God would reverberate through your soul, that your soul ultimately could rest in the Lord, that the default state of your soul is to trust him and feel his presence and feel and give that love towards him, give that trust, knowing that he'll take care of you. Even if you have moments where you have a hard time believing that, that's very normal. We all do that. Do you ultimately believe, though, that he will be there with you? that you can trust him and that he is worthy of your love. He created you in a way that longs for him, even if you distract yourself with other things. Our souls achieve full rest when we rest in the Lord, despite our circumstances, despite when things are extremely difficult and they can be in this life. So to review a soul, it is who we are. It's our total self. It is our living inner being. The soul is often mentioned alongside the heart in scripture, our heart and soul. We are to love God with both. We are to 
come to God with both and surrender both to him. Our souls want God, but they are meant to pant for him, to thirst for him, to desire him as the as we desire water when we're thirsty. Can we sit in the empty and ask God to fill us? Can we be honest with him? Can we praise and hope in him even when we're downcast? Can we ask him to increase our soul's love for him, even in the tough seasons, even in the joyous seasons? Our souls find peace and rest in God. And it brings us what we've been looking for this whole time. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would increase our ability to love you, increase our ability to have our souls love you with all that we are, our inner being. I pray that our inner state would be in a position to praise and love you. Please show up for every woman here. Help them to feel your love so overwhelmingly that your presence would be with each woman and that we would find what we crave in you and you alone. Everything else is a distraction from truly feeling fulfillment. Thank you that you provide that for us, that you love us so deeply. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.